Alrighty there, welcome back everyone to... The Tis Ascendancy. Episode 36. The big three six. Today... Three times two, six. Three six. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> Would you care for more mimosa? Uh, today we're finally, 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 finally getting to review and dive into Thrawn Ascendancy, book one of the Ascendancy trilogy. Yeah. So technically the name of this book is Chaos Rising, but I keep calling it Thrawn Ascendancy. It's book one of the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy. Right. So today we're reviewing and kind of diving into Chaos Rising, what we liked from it, you know, we don't have to go page by page storyline, but what we liked, what we got most out of it, and where's it taking us? Yep. And so... That's kind of today's... Yeah, Tim does some good stuff in this book. Yeah. Okay. I feel like he was unleashed. Not to make a Star Wars pun, but right. I feel like he finally was able to um, open his... You know, when he did the Heir to the Empire trilogy, uh, he was able to just run as yeah. wild as he wanted to do. Blank slate. You know? For instance, beginning of the book... There's a concept here, which obviously is has been retconned, but it's a very cool concept where Luke Skywalker is on the balcony of uh, the Imperial Palace that's been renamed to whatever Senate building or whatever on Coruscant, and he's drinking hot chocolate. And he says that Lando showed it to him. It's an exotic drink. And um, Timothy's on. A lot of people gave him flack, like, hot chocolate's an earth drink. And he was like, oh, and falcons aren't earth birds? <laughs> um, so he talks about having hot chocolate, and he, ha he has a really cool concept. He talks about Luke Skywalker talking to his friend Ben Kenobi, mm -hmm. and it's the last time that Ben Kenobi can talk to him because it's Ben's turn to rest in the Force. Yeah. And uh, obviously that's before the living force and the cosmic force were kind of a thing. And George really expounded on what how the force works. That's not how the force works. But um, very cool concept there. And that's what I love about the Heir to the Empire trilogy. And I don't think it'll ever really be topped as far as a trilogy of books, including Thrawn. Yeah. Um, because of the freedom of what that looks like. Uh, so this book feels like a return to... To legends form with some freedom out there so we'll get to that um we do have a little bit of news um one so obviously we record on friday so september 25th is today's date this will come out on the 28th and today is uh two awesome people's birthday on the 25th the first one the greatest jedi of all time luke skywalker mark camel's birthday uh he's getting up there in age he's not quite 70 I'll let you he's guess. He's no longer 68. I'll let you guess how old he is. <laughs> Gaby. Uh, and then, uh, secondly, my wife, Macy. It's her birthday today. She's her 26. So happy Woo! birthday, babe. Hope you have a great day. And hopefully by the time this, this uh, comes out, we will have eaten some amazing steak later on Friday night. Um, and so, really cool. We've been married for... It'll be five years this March, so she's awesome, and she's very supportive of the channel, so I really appreciate her. Um, and then, um, actually, today, while we're filming, I've got my phone right here, uh, because the what they're calling HasCon is going on right now. Hasbro Convention, it's online because they couldn't do any of the San Diego Comic-Con reveals. Right. They're doing reveals for Star Wars, G.I. Joe, all that kind of stuff, but they're just doing it virtually on YouTube. Some, uh, some of them are hits, some of them are miss. <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple of weird things. Holiday Troopers, 
Christmas edition of five Black Series troopers, and they're all like red and green with like candy cane swords, and they all get either a porg or like a little, one of the cool ones, crap. I'm a sucker for buying a whole figure for an accessory, but a little Christmas red and green Babu Frick. I, I need it. I would want one of those just for the sake of being able to sneak onto the Christmas tree and I'm not doing anything about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's so small. Yeah. They also come with like little porgs or like the uh, the Christmas range trooper is because they have the poofier outfit, the range trooper from Solo, mm. uh, they have him painted as Santa Claus. And so they have a little Dio, the little toy or the little droid that's from The Rise of Skywalker. And he's painted... Uh, brown with a red nose and they added little antlers to him that's funny um a couple of other major reveals uh the vintage collection is getting a couple of re-releases of some prequel favorites anakin skywalker queen amidala battle droid that's the one that's most important to me so i can get multiples of those um and then um the black series which is the six inch figure return of the jedi scheme boba fett because every time they release it it's an it's an empire strikes back mm-hmm. and most people that I know, their favorite color scheme, their their preferred color scheme that Boba has is from Return of the Jedi. That's when he starts having more of the, the orangey yellow and the helmet is, is better in my opinion. Uh, and he comes with a very cool, uh, he comes with a regular EE3 Blastech blaster rifle. And then he comes with another one that uh, the gun is cut in half like when Luke, you know, attacks him on the skiff. Very cool. Um, what does Luke do? He attacks him on the skiff. And, uh, and then besides run. that, you know, he's swinging a sword from right to left. What do you mean to do? And then uh, you also have, we've been waiting for it. We've been asking he's for it. He's not saying we as in we. It's him and me and his, his tons of Star Wars fans across the universe. We're finally getting a six-inch Black Series Jar Jar Binks. Wow. Make some noise. I'm so excited. It's going to be a deluxe figure, and so as uh, instead of just getting the Jar Jar, he comes with the Gungan shield and uh, cool. and a spear and like a a Misa no Habibua, one of those throwers. Uh, very cool. I'm very excited for Jar Jar. And then they're doing an archive line. So an archive line for those of you who don't collect Star Wars figures is toys that have been released before that have now become rare, and they're reintroducing them. So for instance. Um, Anakin Skywalker or Yoda or a Scout Trooper or Boba Fett, Bosk, IG-88, some of those that came out early in the Black Series run before a ton of fans were buying figures again that had become very expensive. So Archive for this um, for this wave, um, I think Luke and Leia are some. I, I like those, but the ones that I care about, uh, they're re-releasing Commander Cody, which is very, very cool. And most importantly... They're re-releasing Grand Admiral Thrawn in the Black Series 6-inch with a new face painting. Is this version going to have the Islamari slung around his neck? No. I know. Big sad. It's a it's a tragedy. That's what it is. What I need to do is I need to find someone who knows how to do 3D printing, and I mail them an Islamari in the 3 and 3 quarter inch scale, and then they scan it and then blow it up to 6-inch scale and mail it back to me. And then what they could do is they do that that one for free. And then because they have the details, they'll be able to sell other ones. Make sense? So that's what I'm going for. Um, so that's, I think that's all the main reveals. They did other stuff, but those were the main ones. Um, Black Series, Phase 1, Clothes Trooper. I could break them all down, but there's, there's more than we uh, want to talk about. Other cool stuff that was uh, released this particular week was some concept art 
regarding the High Republic series. Yeah, yeah, out. yeah. Um, we got a cool concept of a lightsaber hilt. Um, yeah, let me look. I can't remember the guy's name. I'm going to look it up. What it kind of reminds me of is there's a, uh, a deep sea worm that lives in uh, different types of coral and acts as a defender for the coral for different fish that will feed off of it, but it's got, like, this big hinged jaw like that. And there's a bit on the lightsaber that's like that, and it kind of opens up when the cross guard opens up. I'm almost positive they pulled that idea from nature, but it's a very cool concept art. There's um, a unique type uh, belt attachment for the lightsaber to attach to. Stellan, uh, either Gaios or Geos. It's spelled G-I-O-S. How could we forget? How could we know, you know? Uh, how could we forget? So it's cool because it's a... Um, if you go to our Instagram, you'll see the post about it. Uh, but it's very cool. It's a cross guard lightsaber, mm -hmm. similar to what Kylo Ren has. Um, but the cross guard, instead of just having the, the vents coming out, it's uh, it's strange because the handle itself it looks it's it's made to look more like a sword. Basically, is my thought is it looks more like an actual medieval knight's sword. Um, so, like you said, it looks like the jaws of like one of those crazy underwater worm fish eel things and uh so you have the handle that's a regular lightsaber handle and then you have the hooks on the side and then when you activate the saber the you know what would be cool i don't know if we'll, we'll probably never get maybe if we get a comic it would show it but it'll uh i wonder if the blade pushing out will be what releases those you see what i'm saying if they're just like this and then the blade comes out and that's what shoots them out yep. that'll be super cool um, I do love that they're running with the, um, I love that they're running with the knight concept, the medieval kind of look. Uh, so that's very cool. And then of course on the video game side of things, October 2nd, Star Wars Squadron comes out, Squadrons comes out. It looks amazing. It looks um, pretty sick. If you haven't watched the promo video, do yourself a favor. Even if you're not like a big piloting game fan, like I'm really not. You know, that's, like, not my favorite part of gaming. But yeah. the promo looks very cool. It looks like they're setting up a very cool story sequence. And, um, again, with the dadgum, I just, I, in my mind, it's like, if you're not a Wookiee or a human or an, uh, a Mon Calamari, you're not allowed to be a good guy. So it keeps throwing me for a loop seeing the Trandoshans and the Korans and some of those species that I just assume are bad. But then, again, you have the Trandoshan freaking Jedi from uh, the High Republic coming out. Yep. So, looks like they're trying to do a uh, after the fact, all species can be good species <laughs> type idea. Yeah, that's Even probably what it is. What we really know is that we they know can't what it be. is. We know what it is. They're, they're going to backstab gonna, eventually. They're probably going to stab you on the back. That's what I was about to say. Good job. Backstabbers. So, betrayers. Okay, well, we've been waiting for such a momentous occasion, and uh, so today we're going to dive into Throne of Sinistry Chaos Rising. Um, Samuel, real quick, why don't we jump into just your overall thoughts on the book? What did you think about it? How'd you like it? Scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate it? Scale of 1 to 10. So, 
Twelve. I think as far as what's canon material right now, right? The novel Thrawn, which is the first bit in the second most recent trilogy. Um, there, you know, there was Thrawn and then alliances and then treason. Um, I think Thrawn so far has been my favorite standalone novel. Right. Um, this one. This one was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it was formatted uniquely. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of having, you know, chapters one through whatever, um, Tim Zahn aired on the side of um, having a chapter sequence, which was what was the present timeline, and then there was a memory sequence, which was a, uh, you know, a flashback timeline. So right. it went from, you know, like chapter one to memories one, or it'll be like chapter three, memories two, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So I thought that that was a cool way of keeping track and of everything. sometimes you would get two chapters in a row. Yeah, and then... You I know, don't think you ever got two memory sections in a row, but... Um, yeah, so I thought that was... I'd never read a book that, you know, distinguished the timelines by, you know, titling them differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've read books before, like, for instance, uh, the book Last Shot by Daniel Jose Older. Um, great book, by the way. Uh, it had um, past and present, but it would say stuff like uh, 25 years ago, present day, or this year, then this year, or then and now. But it was cool because instead of just the way that this one was laid out was very like chapter memories. I just I like that a lot mm-hmm. because he did a good job of we all know that this is in the past, but it's current for, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting concept. Um, but yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, and even between some of the other novels that he's written about Thrawn. So for instance, um, Thrawn Alliances, you know, it has the time when he's working with Vader and it has the time when he's working with Anakin. Mm -hmm. And there's really no distinguishing between those timelines as far as, you know, the announcement of the chapter title, Hmm. you know, so it was interesting just to even see growing from that point, writing about Thrawn to this point, what the differences were. Um, that being said... This was um, a, probably a more challenging read for me just because uh, whenever I read a Star Wars novel, I'm very familiar with the structure of things going on or right. the characters or even just like the species types and, you know, the general behavior of what's going on. But um, You come in kind of knowing Yeah, there's, where there's certain we stand things that I things. can just assume, you yep. know, that I know. And so this was a whole new uh, structure of thinking, a whole new structure of behavior, of expectations. Yeah. And um, Tim does some cool stuff picking up on um, things that he had, like, hinted at interacting with the Chiss culture previously and kind of explaining that further, like how the Chiss name is structured, stuff like that. Yeah, Um, it's interesting because you have your – we always knew that there was a core name because that's how, mm -hmm. hey, my name is Mithron Yururado, but call me Thron. Mm -hmm. Um, But now we know why. Mm -hmm. So you have the – the myth, so in Mithron Urido, or however you, I don't know. It's interesting because we're both uh, audible guys, mm-hmm. you know? So when you first meet Thrawn in the Heir to the Empire trilogy, it's just Thrawn the whole time. Thrawn, 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 Thrawn. And then there's a book called Outbound Flight, um, which was obviously by Timothy Zahn. Um, but it kind of covers the Outbound Flight project. And it talks about this is this is very similar to Thrawn Alliances, where this is when Anakin and Obi Wan were very close to meeting Grand Admiral Thrawn, but didn't happen quite stuff like that. Very there's some overlap there with concepts from that mm-hmm. and um, and alliances, 
But in that book is when he basically says to the person that he meets, yeah, my name is, you know, imagine you're speaking to someone that doesn't speak English and they say, yeah, my name is, and then they say it, you know, very quickly. It's a long name and it's in their native tongue, Mm -hmm. but you can call me Thrawn. That's kind of how I picture it. And so, um, but that was the first time that I can remember reading and going, oh crap, it's like this long, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know what the breakdown was. I just knew that Thrawn was the easiest part of the name to say, so that's Mm -hmm. why he said it. But it turns out that's that's part of Chiss culture is the closer you get to someone, you know, they have a core name yeah. that you can call them. Well, and even stuff like why Arlani only has like a two-part name, mm-hmm. we get into that as well. So just some really cool, you know, little tidbits like that. But yeah. you're also learning a new intimate style of structure between, you know, powerful families or uh, Navy or, you know, just regular government. So it was kind of a lot to keep up with. Um until I think till you get to like the back third, you know, mm-hmm. the pieces start to fall in place. It was like a M Night Shyamalan movie in that sense that, you know, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff just in the air and you're trying to keep track of it, juggling it. And then yeah, you're like, well, how's that? How is all going to work out? Yeah, you know? I I actually called you about halfway through and I was like, I'm struggling a little bit. I was like, I don't understand why this is going on. I don't understand who's the prota- who's the antagonist. Yeah. What am I doing? Um, and Thrawn is an interesting character because. He's compelling, mm-hmm. but he's not relatable. You know what I mean? Like, he is relatable, but, like, he's not relatable the way that if you're reading a Han Solo book, mm-hmm. Han's very relatable. Luke Skywalker is very relatable. Thrawn is, um, you're rooting for him. He's the protagonist. You want him to succeed. You know, this book's kind of like, have you ever watched the movie, uh, what's that movie Dad took us to watch, like, 18 times in theaters with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch? code something oh the imitation game imitation game that's what this is kind of like you know you've got a brilliant main character and you have almost nothing in common with that person but you're really pulling for him you're pulling for him and at the same time you do feel alienated from him like everyone else in the story does um and so it's very interesting but just like you said the second half and especially the second or the last third of the book Mm -hmm. um really pulls everything together yeah uh and it makes sense so out of 10 what do you give it i give it an eight okay yeah um i think if i read it more i would begin to appreciate it more there were just certain things like i'm so used to a flawless thrawn it's so weird to see him kind of fall into pitfalls, you know, mm-hmm. that he's a little bit more accident-prone than he would have been. I mean, he's still a brilliant character, what, right? But you see him from the get. You what, know? um... Okay, I'll, I guess I'll put it to you this way. Um, I feel like people who are listening to this podcast either aren't going to read the book or they've read the book by now. So I say full send on spoilers. Okay, well... What are things that happen in the book If that, you plan to read the book and you haven't yet, I'm sorry. Here we go. Uh... Full send. Full send. So we're kind of past the overview review point. Right. You know, this is the point of no return. So here we go. Warned. Go for it. Um, there's a point where, and it's something that, that it's his blunder, his major blunder, mm-hmm. that is kind of what I assume is kind of his catalyst of being kind of pushed out to begin with. He makes a political error. And really, to my understanding, it's not even his fault. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's just trying to make the best of a crappy situation. But it's just so weird seeing him um, basically be manipulated by anybody who's not Tarkin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of disappointing for me. Um, I'll be completely honest. Uh, okay, so what happens is there's two alien species, mm-hmm. right, that aren't chess. And they're like, help us. How do we do such and such? 
You know, we're being attacked. Mm -hmm. And Thrawn, this is, you know, seven-eighths of the way through the book. Um, yeah. but and it, they don't tell you what this is. Right. It's just one of those things you're like, oh, my God, please just let me get to the end so I can figure out you know, right, right. what he's done wrong. So you gotta you got to remember, you're, you know, 90% of the way through the book. Mm-hmm. And but this is also a memories chapter. Yeah, I think so you're in the past, but you're almost chapters. Done, yeah, and this is memories ten. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're in the past, Maybe but you're nine. towards the end of the book. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, honestly, I'll be completely honest. I was underwhelmed by. It seems really insignificant. I was like, he had to have done something really terrible, right? You know. Um, so. Basically, what it does is him and Admiral Arlani are visiting a neighboring planet, and they're trying to uh, – they want to create a relationship with these people so that mm-hmm. they can have trade with them. Yeah. The Chiss are uh, – the beginning of the book says the enemies of the of the Chiss, uh, you know, basically don't exist. as Like, they get destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the friends of the Chiss flourish. It's interesting because the Chiss are like this – I'm butchering that quote. Keep going. The Chiss are like this military superpower, right? you know what I mean? But at the same time, they're incredibly reluctant to engage in any military conquest. Their big thing is they're they against do not preemptive, preemptive strike. strikes. And right. that's always been the thing. Yeah, and so you got it. Sorry. There. All right, here we go. Uh, here's what it says. For thousands of years, it has been an island of calm within the chaos. So very cool from the beginning, what we know as the unknown regions, they call the chaos. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it says, It is the center of power, a model of stability, and a beacon of integrity. The nine ruling families guard it from within. The expansionary defense fleet guards it from without. Its neighbors are left in peace. Its enemies are left in ruin. It is light and culture and glory. It is the Chisicidency. So they're trying to expand and really like work with their neighboring I almost, I almost said countries, neighboring planets and species, and one feigns an attack, mm-hmm. being attacked. Um, so imagine something like Pearl Harbor is happening, but it's not really happening. Yeah. We're feigning it. Hey, Thrawn, help us. You know, we're being attacked by the Japanese. And he said, well, here's how you defeat the Japanese, yada, 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 and just rattles off. Um, it turns out that we weren't being attacked, mm-hmm. and now we're going to use it against yeah, them. Yeah, they use that information basically. Thrawn inadvertently helped another species be who conquered. they were not, you know, in that point of a relationship with, mm-hmm. um, overtake. Another and in so doing, Thrawn essentially was responsible for the fall of that second species. Right. Um, which is a big no-no, apparently. Uh, I, I mean, like, I get where it would be significant, but in the grand scheme of things, it seems very insignificant. Maybe I just have such an American and aggressive personality, you know? I mean, I get, I get it from the Chiss point of view, but at the same time, I'm like, and then what happened? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I was waiting for something bigger. I thought, I thought something tragic would happen that would endanger Scylla, which is the home world of the Chiss. Right. And that it was really, an, in my mind, it was underwhelming because it was not significant against the Chiss or endangering to Thrawn. It was just like... It was just a political faux pas. You messed up yeah. and you stepped out of the normal realm of things and that's why you're in trouble. Yeah. I guess... Um, yeah, I, I think it's... Every character, ha- every great character has to have a significant weakness. Right. Everybody knows what Thrawn's is. It's political. Mm-hmm. It's, he's politically just not there 
Yeah, he reminds me a lot very, of... To put it very kindly, he is not there. Yeah, to relate him to a real-life character, much less brass, brash, but he reminds me of George Patton. If you ever watched right. the movie Patton... Militarily brilliant. Amazing military mind. He does not give two poops about any... But he, the thing about Patton is that... <laughs> I think he, he knew, knew how to play the game, but he, he just didn't he give just a crap. He just didn't care enough to play by the rules. Thrawn right. is just... He's he's oblivious, and also I think if he did understand, he wouldn't care. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't have the, even the grace to know enough. Right. Um, so it was cool to see people within the Chiss Ascendancy kind of helping Thrawn get along in that way, where mm -hmm. Tarkin and the Empire is working you know he's always serving the emperor's interests right the emperor wants thrawn to thrive because he knows he's a great asset mm -hmm. and so he has kind of tarkin paving the way for him i mean it does make me low. um i don't want to stray too far from the book because we can talk about that kind of stuff later but um uh it does make me think of like basically you have later on in his career you have something similar where the emperor wants ultimate power mm -hmm. right that's how palpatine works he's He's running both sides of a war, and then wins the war against himself, and then is in charge of playing chess at the beginning of a bug's life. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, he wants ultimate power, and he sees ultimate power as the ability to squash anyone in, the, in a matter of seconds. And so he's a fan of the Death Star. Thrawn's not a fan of the Death Star. Thrawn shouldn't even know about the Death Star, but he's so freaking smart that he figures it out. Mm -hmm. This is in uh, Thrawn treason, and yet so politically inept that mm -hmm. he has. <laughs> He the doesn't poor know how to race to say that he knows about it. Right, right. Instead of undoing yeah. it or making the project fail from the inside. Yeah. Um, and I think Tarkin knows it's not a great idea, and he trusts Thrawn. Um, but but at the end of the day, and I think this is one of the coolest things about Tarkin, is that even though he is so capable, he's always going to serve the the interests of the emperor. Right. But I think he also. Tarkin is less militarily strong than Thrawn. He's politically brilliant. But he's though. politically brilliant. Yeah. So if on a scale of 10, you've got a 10 and a 0 on Thrawn's side, military to politically. And then you have an 8 and an 8, military and politically, in Tarkin. That's what mm -hmm. makes him such a, a crazy figure is because yeah. he's he's nearly as smart militarily. Yeah. But politically, he's, you know, it's a billion times stronger. Thrawn is almost... And I mean this in like the strictest sense, not being derogatory. He is like autistically brilliant militarily, mm -hmm. and it injures him in social ways. But yeah. it's just like there was a kid that was in your class growing up. Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, hey, uh, December 27th, 2025, what day is that? And he'd be like, Friday. He would just know. Yeah. There's a certain level of brilliance that people like that operate in that Thrawn has when it comes to the military. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in it the same way, hurts him in political and yeah. social ways. Well, you see, you know, in human beings, you have people who are savants who yeah. can play, you know, whatever symphony mm -hmm. at the age of four on the piano, right? But they can't, you know, but they can't read, or but that they're socially awkward, or things like that, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, Thrawn seems to be very much uh, personally great communicator, mm -hmm. you know. Um, he can, you know, his artistic eye is amazing. His mm -hmm. military eye is amazing. His ability, his ability to read an entire culture's way of doing things mm -hmm. is unmatched. But is it's just the he doesn't understand how things work when you're not being your normal self. Mm -hmm. So he can look at the art of a species 
and this is their truest form of expression. Therefore, mm. I know this species does this and this and this. Yeah. And it's the backstabbingness of Washington, D.C. that he doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't get the, hang on, so we're on sides, but we're not on the same side? Right. He doesn't he's, understand he's that. He's so forthcoming in his own right because he feels he has nothing to fear. Yeah. That he doesn't understand maneuvering. So basically, the book takes you from Thrawn being adopted. Mm -hmm. um, and he's born into a certain family, but uh, in the Chiss... There's actually different rankings within families. So right. there are nine ruling families of the Chiss. That doesn't mean there's only nine families. Right, so. But there are nine families that basically are in charge of everything. So his family so obscure, the person who was recruiting for the myth hadn't even heard of it. Right. And uh, there's the nine ruling families. You get to know some of them on certain levels. Mm -hmm. um, the myth is probably the most powerful at this point in the Chiss ascendancy. And that's the family that Thrawn gets pulled into. Right. Well, the myth are very strong, and if Thrawn's career goes where everybody thinks it can go, mm -hmm. they kind of have a monopoly on right. what they can do. And so there are three different rankings of somebody who's not a blood relative that can be in a myth-ruling family. The first one is a merit adoptive, mm -hmm. so they're kind of pulled in there. Um, there's one called trial-born, which mm -hmm. is kind of like if you've made it to this point, you're in. You know, yeah. If you're a merit adoptive, you can easily be gotten rid of right it's, it's similar to me I, I started especially because of the term trial born mm -hmm. it made me think of the jedi order where if you're a padawan and you just can't cut the mustard then right. you'll have a beautiful life somewhere else yeah but you're just not needed in the right. order and then uh, once you pass the trials you're yeah, a jedi knight right you're like a full-fledged member of the family mm -hmm. and then there's a uh, ranking distant mm -hmm. which is like you've made it all the way you're probably more affluent than some of the bloodborne members. Right. You're ranking, you're distantly related, but right. you're in the tops of the family now. Right. It's kind of ranking distant is the most accomplished you can be within the family without, without having being, been born into it. You have bloodborne, which is you're just born into the family name. Right. You don't have to and do trials or anything like that. There's also cousin, which I don't understand. Does that just mean cousin? I guess it just means cousin. I, I mean, they don't ever talk about that yeah, one. Yeah, they don't. But basically, bloodborne is you're born into the myth family. You're part of the myth family. Maybe cousin is if you're born into a family and you like become a merit adoptive of another family. Oh, maybe I don't know. But then you have so then you have merit adoptive, which is like the lowest rank. We'll, we'll recruit you and we'll see what you do. Basically, are you going to benefit and strengthen the family mm -hmm. within the realm of politics? Um, not just politics, but the political side of the families. Um, and then you can choose at any point of your married adoptive life to shoot yourself ahead to trial born. Mm -hmm. And if you pass the trials, then you become a ranking distant. Right. So it's a very interesting concept. Well, ranking distant is further down the line. So we or have I guess the we you have become the a navigator. trial born once you pass the right. trials. Right. And then, you know, if you prove yourself even further, I think in just your accomplishments for the family. Right. You Just before the the, uh, the the title page, a long time ago, Beyond a Galaxy Far, Far Away. We yeah. talked about that a little Very bit. Very cool. Um, only book that ever has had that ever. I think as far as the aesthetics of the book, 10 out of 10. Oh, for sure. Very cool book. Yeah, I agree. As a, as a tangible object. And again, the Thrawn book itself that had the half picture of Thrawn's face was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Alliances was very cool. Treason was very cool. Um the covers of the new Thrawn stuff has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, of course, Air of the Empire uh, is a very cool cover. I wish that on Air of the Empire that Thrawn had a bigger piece. Right. Uh, Jeruus Sabaoth is like the main center guy. What a turd. 
That guy. Yeah. Um, Mega tool. So basically, the story in this book, if we just went chronologically, is the story of, um, man, I can't remember his name. When the when the I don't want to get into that. I guess that's a little bit. I'll tell you everything else, but I'll make you read the book to know he has a different name at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. And now you're Thrawn. Yeah. And um, there's like different names that you're yeah. given. So the core name is the last letter of your family, or the last little section of your family, and mm-hmm. then. Your name name, mm-hmm. which is like a personal thing. And I think the final piece of your name has to do with, and I'm just suspecting this based on how things have moved because this part never got talked about, but I think it has right. to do with um, your status as an individual hmm. um, with something that you've accomplished. So if his name is Mithron Urodo, right. Do you think that we'll find out what that third part of the name yeah, means I think later so. in the books? Because it's not his name, I don't think, at the end of the book. Right. Well, it's interesting because you have... Um, at least in the memory section. Right. In the whole, like, main storyline, he's already met Thrawn Yoroto. Right. Um, um, and so uh, there are a species that are an invasive species that are basically taking over everything in the chaos minus the Chiss. hmm um, with promises of peace and prosperity, but really, he's kind everyone's of, being enslaved. It's kind of like ruled by blackmail, almost. Yeah, yeah. So you have General Yiv, the Benevolent, and yeah. they call him the Benevolent because he makes all these grandiose promises about mm-hmm. what you know, what they're going to give you, what you can benefit from being a part of the Nikardun Empire. Right, and I think Thrawn nails it when he says... Um, even in his name, he tries to have it both ways. General Yiv the Benevolent. He wants to have the idea of military the strength conquest. And the niceness of the Benevolent. The, yeah, the kindness of, uh, of a Benevolent ruler. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Thrawn says something along the lines in trying to be both, he's neither. Mm-hmm. So the point of the, of the book, and we don't have to break down how everything happens, but mm-hmm. the idea is that Thrawn is struggling uh, politically, uh, because there are other families that either it's crazy, right? Because the the other families either want him to join them instead because mm-hmm. they know how powerful he can be for the family, or if he won't join us, there's a character within the myth family that doesn't care for Thrawn, mm-hmm. and there's a character from another one of the nine ruling families that's trying to recruit Thrawn, but he's not really a fan, but the family really wants him, mm-hmm. and those two yahoos, those jack wagons, they decide. If he won't join our family and you don't want him to ruin your family, then together we'll put together a scheme to get him kicked out altogether. And here's the thing is that me being the kind of person that I am, even when I'm just reading books, I can see the goodness of their overall intention. Like those two people who are the most annoying people to me in the book are Mm -hmm. still trying to protect the Chiss overall. They're trying, right. They see Thrawn as a threat. So here's the thing. Not to them personally. I mean, to them personally, but more so to the Chiss as a whole. Here's how it is. It's it's um, high, high, high risk. Mm-hmm. But like high, super high, high, high reward. reward. Um, so, you know, basically when you're hiring someone or, or if you want a, uh, if you are scouting for a professional sports team or whatever, whether mm-hmm. it's business or sports or even, you know, I'm a pastor, you help at the Bible school that I'm a director of, even bringing in new students. The goal that I've always heard and something that I that you're looking for the, is someone that can make a great impact, but they're not going to be a pain in the butt. So uh, high uh, ceiling, low maintenance. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. Now, here's the thing. 
Thrawn is mega high ceiling, semi high maintenance. You know, he himself is not right. high maintenance, he, but the his maintenance personal needs around are very him. Low. Yeah, yeah, he's he's he can do whatever he wants. He doesn't need your help. But it's kind of like it's kind of like having a uh, like you get a feral cat. You know, like they'll keep the mice away, but. Don't let them inside the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah don't exactly. for themselves. Well, that's the thing. Is like, yeah, you have a you have an amazing dog, but if they're chewing on everything, yeah, what's the what's the deal here? Do you want the dog enough, or do you want to get rid of you know what do you prefer, your couch or your dog? Yeah, you know. And so, uh, I guess one detail that I'll get into is there's a there's a point in which Thrawn, this is very typical of Zahn's writing is that Thrawn needs to do something that he's not supposed to do, but if he can get away with it long enough, it'll pan out, right. and the result of that, everyone will go, oh, okay, well, that's a good job. Yeah. It's it's the Mark Sable maneuver. It's the, we're going to put this whole Star Destroyer out here, and if they blow it up, we're screwed. <laughs> but if they get close enough to inspect, we'll send out our ties from the the, the yeah. belly side of things, and we'll be victorious. There's yeah. a there's a ton of risk, but if you stay with me, I promise you it's worth it. And so Thrawn's pulling one of those maneuvers. Thrawn is the master of, now hear me out. Yeah, you know? that's him. Like, that's that's take a risk. Every single proposition. So Thrawn is basically, in that respect, we're the same, except for mine is just, it's going to be funny. His is, it'll make us better as a species. So I think he's probably higher ceiling, but I'm a higher floor kind of guy. Yeah, I had a... Um... A time when I was in college and there's like, it was a, a big, you know, kind of camp setting. And so um, every night we had like a competition to see which group of people, there's like five groups. There's a lot of people here. Right. So there's, you know, 70 people in each group to see which group could have like the funniest skit mm-hmm. that night at the end of the day. And our team sucked. We lost every Thought it was going to be good, but it, it sucked. sucked. And so we had like every single week we, or every night we had lost so far. And I was like, I really didn't want to do this, but I'll do it. So I mm. went to the guy who was in charge of our thing, and I was like, I think I've got a, something that can get us the, the dubs tonight. And so it was a Joel Osteen impression. And we went to the guys that were, like, emceeing the event, and we were like, hey, do you think this is over the line? He's like, if you have to ask. And I was like, it'll be fine. And so I went ahead with it anyway. <laughs> high risk, high killed, reward. Killed it, but it was kind of like the... Uh, either going to be great or it's going to be terrible right right yeah it's the by the way speaking of joel osteen if you want to have a good laugh go to (laughs) inspirationcube.com and uh just enjoy (laughs) well that coming (laughs) anyways uh so (laughs) where do i go from that so um part of the scheme is that he needs uh somebody to buy time that's in the book and so uh, the guy that's the part of one of the myths that's like, we need to get thrown the crap out of here. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's too much maintenance, and it's not worth the reward if it's constant Tums on my side of things, right. constant Alka-Seltzer he, putting down my heartburn because of this guy. He's I'm dumb and dumber. He's like, oh, my ulcer. Yeah, he's basically, super worried. He's, you know, he's the kid. He's Dennis the Menace. He's constantly making a mess but he's a sweet kid i was thinking more along the lines of uh, kevin from home alone he's kevin mcallister it's yeah same thing he's got a high threshold for destruction yeah he can put it in the right direction exactly yeah he's high risk high reward and so basically here's the other thing though the nine ruling families never see anybody as a threat because they're so confident in their military might that it's Mm -hmm. like we're not even going to worry about anybody and if somebody attacks us then we'll just destroy and make them wish they were never born which is an awesome strategy, except for Thrawn realizes that the Nikardun are taking over. If there's 10 planets in the chaos, there's not really a specific list. But let's say there's 10 and we're the one. 
I don't like our odds against the other nine. Right. And but they're they will not do a preemptive strike. Right. So Thrawn realizes Even if Thrawn can somehow not concretely but with enough reasonable doubt prove uh, that they're a threat. You know, right. Even doesn't if he matter. can get to that point, it doesn't matter. They don't unless care. They attack first. So his. So he's got an idea. I don't want to spoil the book completely, but mm-hmm. um, there's another character that needs to face. She's buying time for Thrawn, so she goes. You know, they're trying to remove her from the situation. Yeah. And this cool will character, gi- by the way. Right. This will give up Thrawn's plan, and it'll throw everything away. And really, as the reader, you know both sides of the story, so you're thinking. This is bad for the Chiss. Like, yeah. the guy's trying to save face, and you're like, you're going to kill your whole species if yeah. you don't help. So, anyways, um, she goes, I'm going to face the trials. Basically, trial by fire. I'm going to throw myself into the into the frying pan. And if I become trial-born, basically, her goal is to become trial-born. She wants to be part of the myth family. That but way, she's not as easily removed. Exactly. Yeah. She's not as easily, as easily removed. This guy has less hold over her mm-hmm. directions. And also, the trials will take enough time for Thrawn to finish the the plan that he's boiling up. And uh, there's a very, very cool moment where she's on the top of this mountain and she's trying to complete this task. And there's this old, 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 old Chiss. He's called the Patriarch. And uh, basically, he's the the ruling member of the myth ruling family. And uh, she's kind of... He spooks her, actually. She's like, oh, I don't know you're up here. and Are you lost or whatever? He's so old that yeah. she's like, are you lost? Are you and okay? She doesn't know who he is at first, and then it finally clicks, and he's like, oh, nice. Yeah, patriarch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm the guy that's in charge. Yeah, so, probably like the third most powerful member of the Chiss Ascendancy. Right, exactly. Um, you know, the, the most Very powerful... Casual. Yeah, the most powerful member of probably the most powerful family. And so, uh, but it's very cool because she's like, are you... You know, is Thrawn a risk? Is this this? Is he this? Is am I wrong for trusting him? Mm-hmm. And she and he says, as the patriarch, right? Maybe maybe the president of the Chiss ascendancy as far as power. Yeah. And he says, My dear, I'm the one who told them to go get Thrawn. Yeah. I'm the one that sought him out and said, This is gonna be good for the myth. This mm-hmm. is what'll keep us kind of in the forefront of the nine ruling families. This is what'll be best for the ascendancy. Yeah. And so up until that point, uh, the guy who was trying to get rid of Thrawn kind of had suspicions that Thrawn had a powerful benefactor, but he didn't know exactly didn't know who it was. It's the benefactor. Yeah, it's, it's the guy. You ever heard of Kraft Mac and Cheese? Yeah, this is Robert Kraft. <laughs> this is the guy that owns the New England Patriots, and he picked Thrawn, so you're irrelevant, other guy. Yeah. But it's, it's really cool because you never, it's very rare, you almost never, in my mind, think about this, and help me if I'm forgetting someone, but even the Emperor isn't going to bat for Thrawn. It's basically whatever you, he helps him, but it's for the betterment of the of the emperor. Right. This is the first character that has authority that is almost like taking him under his wing, almost like a, a grandson or a son. Yeah, and I it's, think I want him to succeed. It'll be good for us, but yeah. he legitimately cares for Thrawn. I don't think we've ever seen that before. Well, and it's you're never going to see it in the Empire. You know what I mean? Right. There are too many ulterior motives. Too many looking out for number one. Um, Tarkin kind of goes to bat for him a couple of times, mm-hmm. but obviously it's motivated by something else. Everywhere because else, because he's Thrawn's at that eight politically. Right. Yeah, exactly. Thrawn being on my side will help me get to where I need to right. be, so I can take credit for this other thing. Right. And so it's really beautiful, uh, kind of a not emotional moment, but a very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just kind of a family moment where you're like, wow, wholesome. it's wholesome. It's it's it warms your heart. Yeah. I was out there and I was mowing the grass, and I was like, dang. 
What a friend. Thrawn has a friend. It just made me feel good. Um, and he said, the, the patriarch said, if, if he's able to have people around him that will help him navigate mm-hmm. the political waters, he will be the greatest thing I've ever done for our family. Yeah. And that was just so cool. Yeah, super Because we see that. I right. know that. And you know that. We, we're aware of the situation, yeah. right? But as the reader, you can't be like, you know, flip the pages and be like, no, listen to me. So he says, if if he has people like you around him mm-hmm. who will help him face the political nonsense, he'll be the best thing that happened to our family. And in turn, basically the ascendancy. Mm-hmm. And she says, can he be beaten? And this was one of those baller lines. He said, unless something comes up that he's never seen before, unless it's like out of left field, he will never experience anything but momentary loss. He cannot be defeated. He might... A momentary, you know, hey, there's a skirmish and we're taking heavy casualties. This happens earlier in the book right. where a, a ship is taking some serious damage and he completely uses it to his advantage. Yeah. And it's basically unless something unforeseen happens. Or something that's totally out of his power. And I think this was definitely Timzon trying to pull Thrawn out of the fire from what we saw at the end of Rebels. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, think about this. I mean, yeah. the most brilliant How are you military control line. Space whales. Come on yeah. now. So, a uh, very cool moment. Um, he does. Long story short, things do pan out well. And there's another character at the end of the book that is like, you find out that he's the big big boss, mm-hmm. and he kind of has the kind of a Thanos moment where it's like, I'll do it myself. Yeah. And so we don't really know much about this character, but that basically is the cliffhanger into book two. Um, my hopes for the future are that we somehow fast forward to Ezra and Thrawn because I don't know what the freak happened to my boy. Here's the thing is that if they're enough into the chaos, it might fall into the jurisdiction of this trilogy. Mm -hmm. You know, we already saw this particular book is going to take place somewhere during the Clone Wars era Mm -hmm. sometime before as well, but Mm -hmm. it has an overlap with... Um, some of the moments that you see in Thrawn alliances. Right. Um, so it's kind of in different areas, and I assume that we're going to get more of those overlaps, you know, as it moves yeah, absolutely. forward, as it gets closer to um, the, you know, canon Thrawn trilogy that's complete now. Right. Yeah, it's, I love this book because the original Thrawn trilogy that we got was an open field. Mm-hmm. Tim could do what he wanted. Yeah. And then Alliances and Treason were both in such a small window of time. I mean, Alliance or Treason was like a two or three day book. Yeah. Everything in that book happens in two or three days. And I could I could feel it. Not that he showed it, not that the content was bad, but it was like everything felt like we couldn't reach out of our right. Well, you know, even uh, we're stuck in traffic even and we Thrawn can't really go anywhere. We're having a great what? time, but we're stuck. Two weeks. Right. Exactly. So. Um, get like 15 total days, you know, between the, the two of those books. Right. So, um, where do you see, where do you see, uh, the Ascendancy trilogy going? Um, Obviously, Timothy Zahn is the kind of guy that has a plan and breaks it up into three books. Yeah, I know. In my opinion. Thrawn is going to have to progress further militarily. Um, I want to see how his and Aralani's relationship continues to develop and mm-hmm. see where that ends up. Because yeah. there's obviously a depth of history when they meet in Thrawn Treason. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get to see more of that and how they were definitely 
very influential in each other's development as you know young military. They basically persons. just back and forth the whole book go to bat for each other mm-hmm. and completely trust in each very other. Cool. And it's very cool because um, Aralani knows that Thrawn just pure brain power is greater than her, but Thrawn more than once admits because she just has. It's he sees her as a better natural leader. Yeah, um, he sees her, and he says something along the. He says something interesting where he says, um, "She has the ability to see those around her not as assets, but as people. But as people, yeah. And that gives her a better ability to lead. The something, only thing that, or go ahead. Something that's interesting is that at the very end of this book, Thrawn kind of has a momentary um, glimpse into the importance of political maneuvering, and mm-hmm. he thinks that he's like, well, then I've got to learn it, I've got to study it, I've got to master it. And right. Aralani's knowing to herself that. He, he never will. But somebody's talking to Thrawn, I think, about being a leader. And he was saying how Arlani, along those lines, was a better natural leader and she can always get people to follow him. Right. Um, and the person he's talking to says, well, then you just learn. You don't have to be like Arlani. Just do the same thing in your way and learn how to be a natural leader. Right. Um, and it's cool because that's kind of the start of what you see in the more recent canon Thrawn trilogy. I'm just going to start calling it Thrawn trilogy because it's entirely... Go ahead. Yeah. In the Thrawn trilogy, uh, where he will have the whole ship against him, but by the time that he's established, everybody on the ship is saying how he's the best captain or admiral or whatever rank he is at the time that they've ever had. And they always see his competence, and he's always willing to reward good behavior even if it's a little unorthodox to where he just naturally makes everybody feel used and utilized and you know empowered or whatever word you want to use but this is kind of the start of that you know ability that makes right. him such an indisposable leader for whatever ship he's on um so it'll be cool to see how that kind of develops further and further along in this trilogy yeah i want to see um it's interesting because i can see where in thrawn's military career with the empire he doesn't have contact with the Chiss, I don't think. I would like to see some of this, whether it's in book two or three, almost bleed into or even carry over his time in the Empire. Mm. Um, and maybe that's... I mean, we could do... There has to be some nominal contact, at least, because he sends um, Vanto out there. Right, you know exactly. What I mean? So... Um, I'd like to see, maybe we get some more Elavanto, and that would be great. Um, uh, that's the redneck character from the Thrawn trilogy. Uh, but this one definitely felt to me more like these books, Heir to the Empire, the original Thrawn book, mm-hmm. The Granddaddy, and Outbound Flight, which yeah. um, is his uh, earliest appearance in Legends material. Yeah. And it felt more like that, and so it felt like a return to stuff before he was Timothy was more boxed in. Yeah, and I, like I said, I think this is an eight out of ten for me right now. But it won't surprise me if this novel ages very well for me. Right, because like if the other two, if the other more. two books open up things that we didn't even realize we weren't seeing right. in book one, that'll go up. Right. You know. Um, okay. So. Uh, out of all the Thrawn books, we'll take Outbound Flying out of it because you haven't read it yet. But the, make me look the heir to the no, the heir to the Empire trilogy, the Thrawn trilogy, Chaos Rising. We won't include Rebels because it's not a book technically. 
where does this experience with Thrawn rank for you? I mean, it's it's Tim's on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we were discussing earlier, the reason that Thrawn has aged so well, and especially in the more recent books, is because they let the thank the maker. Mm. They let the maker have you know Thrawn. You know, it wasn't somebody else trying to replicate the magic that was the heir to the Empire series. Um, I think it just fits right in. I think it. I think it's going to create something beautiful, and I just want to see where it goes. Right. I think, um, I think it's a very good foundation for the rest of this trilogy. As a standalone novel, I still think maybe Thrawn is my favorite. Yeah, um, it was really good. But I think this is going to be a very good foundation. I'll say this. My only, not complaint, but like, <coughs> seems to be an inconsistency between this story and what we see later, is... In this book, specifically, there are moments where Thrawn sticks his neck out and breaks Chiss code, which is supposed to be his number one thing, mm-hmm. protecting the Chiss, for other species in the chaos, right? Now, contrast that to basically being, if here's the middle ground of your moral compass, and here's the caring side, and here's the ruthless side, he's like leaning more towards the caring side, not ruthless, mm-hmm. right? And Star Wars Rebels Season 4... Um, he's trying to beat the rebel, you know, rising on Lothal. Uh, at the end of season three, he goes to the Bindu's planet and he sees the Bindu and he's like, what kind of jet Jedi devilry is this? And he just instantly starts shooting at the Bindu. More importantly, towards the end of season four of Star Wars Rebels, he stations a dadgum fleet above the main city on Lothal and is like, hey, Ezra. You want me to blow up this whole freaking city? Are you going to come clean? Like, I think, I don't know. Maybe it's just the military has hardened him a little bit. Maybe he feels that threat, that random threat to the Chiss is getting closer, and so time is of the essence. But the ruthlessness of Thrawn grows exponentially from this time. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think species he doesn't even know, has no relationship with, and that's his blunder is he steps out of line to try to help one that he's being manipulated. But in Rebels, you remember when they're in that speeder factory and the some of the Rebels on Lothal who aren't officially part of the, you know, the rebellion with Luke and them, but they're, they're pushing back against the Empire. They've made it where if the speeder reaches a certain speed, which it's a speeder, it's supposed to go fast, if it gets up to that, you know... In your car, if you're going 60 or 65, that's like regular, but 70, 80, 90, you're starting to get faster. But if you really need to go somewhere, that's the speed you're going to be at. So basically, they've made it where when the speeders are chasing rebels and they get up to that higher range on their whatever, they malfunction and explode, right? Mm -hmm. And Thrawn goes into the speeder factory and goes... Someone's been screwing up my speeders. We're going to figure out what's going on. And he makes this old guy, this poor old man. He's got like a, uh, he looks like a little country guy. He's got a nice little white handlebar mustache. Looks like, uh, looks like uh, the one of the brothers from, uh, oh my God, Tombstone. He looks like, what's, what's Sam it? Elliott. Sam Elliott. I want to say Jim Elliott. He looks like Sam Elliott from Tombstone. And he's like, do you trust your work? And the guy's like, yeah. And he's like, Good. And he makes him get on this speeder, and it starts heating up, and he's like, something's wrong. And he's like, it appears so. And he wants to get off, or Ezra wants to help him or whatever, and Thrawn pulls his gun and is like, you're going to finish this. And he makes the guy hold on to the speeder until it explodes and kills the guy. So 
That's the inconsistency, is in my personal preference. I like the throne that makes guys get up on speeders and kill themselves for right. the sake of his cause. Here's a couple things. One, speeder murder Thrawn is a different, that's a different writer. You know what I mean? And he's got to look like he's the villain. Yeah, that's the main thing, I think. He's got to look like he's the villain. Because they definitely, Dave Filoni was talking with Timothy Zahn constantly when well, they're writing him. And, and Timothy Zahn thinks that, he said that the, the portrayal in Rebels is good. Here, protagonist, Rebels antagonist. You know what I mean? You can't have a good-looking villain as far as appeal. Let me finish. The other thing is that Thrawn is still really young here. That's, yeah, you that's, know what, what I mean? that's what I was thinking as well. And I think he gets enough tastes of uh, good guys finish last mm-hmm. that he's like, you know what, screw it. Mm-hmm. I think he there's so much backlash when he tries to do what he thinks is the right thing instead of just completing an objective. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, at that point, he's learned how to create gestures. He's learned how to... Um, Send, send a signal. He's learned how to send work with people more. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You know, he's he knows what makes things clear to other people. Right. Um, so I think it's just a development. You know, you always have somebody new on the job. They're going to be bright-eyed and optimistic. Right. And then by Rebels, we have, like, ultimate pessimist Thrawn, mm-hmm. who's even threatening his own people, which is very out of character for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I think there's just so much going wrong that's been out of his control that he's like, all right, we got to get this, you know, back yeah. under control real fast. I think the thing is he realizes the urgency of the timing mm-hmm. and maybe in this book, whenever he's like sticking his neck up for other people, he sees them as a, a possible, he wants to win over the favor of someone who would be an ally to the Chiss. Mm-hmm. And in Rebels, he maybe feels more, more pressure to perform because he didn't choose the Empire because he believed in the Empire's doings. He mm-hmm. chose the Empire because the Empire was organized. And at that time, if something arose that threatened the Chiss ascendancy, the Empire was far more reliable and stronger to help the Chiss than the Rebellion was. And maybe he was just so happy to be able to make a preemptive strike that he was just seizing every <laughs> opportunity. He's you know, like canned heat all the time. He's working for the ascendancy. And finally, he's working with the Empire. That he just goes down the street just shooting strikes. people. He's like, threat. You were going to strikes. You were going to strike me. Yeah. A couple of things. Timothy Zahn was asked a couple of years ago in a, you know, First Order versus the Empire space battle, Grand Admiral Thrawn versus Kylo Ren. Not hand-to-hand, obviously, but strategy. Who wins in a fight? And Timothy Zahn said, have you seen the way that Kylo Ren reacts emotionally to everything? Thrawn would have him for breakfast. Do you agree? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Thrawn is... Wow, did I... I just, like, was loading in that sentence. Uh, uh, Thrawn is so much more collected and less reactive. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the things that's most surprising about the Bindu is you never really see Thrawn just kind of, like, out of hand react to something. It's usually very measured. I think with somebody like Kylo Rim, he's predictably manipulative enough. Like, it's, he's, he's very predictably able to be manipulated. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, I don't think that Kylo would stand a chance. I can't see Kylo being able to step out of his own head enough right. to be able to fight somebody as measured as Thrawn. Right. Um, second thing that Timothy Zahn has said is, 
if Thrawn and not Vader was in charge of the fleet over Endor, the rebellion would have never been victorious, and the Empire would have reigned for basically forever. Yeah, I think the problem there for Vader is that Vader didn't care about the rebellion. He was all eyes on Luke mm -hmm. at that point. You know what I mean? And the Emperor was kind of there too. That even when he was, and they fight this fully operational battle. You know, he was. <laughs> He's that was all, that down. whole gesture was for Luke. Yeah, he didn't care about the Empire or the rebellion at mm -hmm. all. That was all about manipulating Luke, mm -hmm. which kind of shows where their heads were at as far as how important Luke was. Um, but at the same time, you even have in Thrawn Alliances, where Thrawn, and granted this is Tim Zahn's writing, but you have Thrawn interacting with Vader, and Vader essentially says to Thrawn, are you going to tell me that somebody with as much military prowess as you hasn't already thought of one way to kill me? And Thrawn's like, three, actually. You know what I mean? Like, it's just somebody That's that... That's just balling. Even Thrawn and Vader were both confident with Thrawn's ability to overcome Vader if push came to shove. Right. Man. Obviously, I think Vader would just paint the walls with Thrawn's blood if they ever came to a fight. But I'm sure it's... I would have liked to it's see more... It's the old Batman versus Superman thing. Here's the know? thing. What I don't like is that Ezra got the better of Thrawn. It's crap. And so my hope is that if we ever do get Thrawn and Ezra back, whether it's a cartoon or live action, I hope the first like 45 seconds is just Thrawn beating the living crap out of Ezra and being like, don't you understand what I'm doing? Yeah. I'm trying to help, you know, something. I don't know. Thrawn is a greater good kind of guy. And just like Pharaoh says, sacrifices must be made. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway. That's kind of a half-spoilery, half-spoiler-free review. Um, we... There are little details we gave away, but there are some details I specifically reserved mm. that I didn't say. And I think the overall storyline is intact if you haven't read the book and you still want to. Very good book. Also, um, if you want to get a, uh, if you don't have an Audible account, your first credit is free and you can try it using, uh, you can use it to try out Thrawn Ascendancy and see what you think about it. Um, that kind of wraps it up for us. One more announcement from uh, the Hasbro thingy is that they are making a, Razor Crest for the Vintage Collection. Uh, just as you suspected. Just as I suspected. And so, uh, very exciting. We still didn't get Thrawn in the Vintage Collection, so I guess I'll just wait some more. Dadgummit. Um, but very exciting stuff. Uh, so, I'm excited. I'm excited to see new stuff developing. There's been rumors earlier this week of an, a specific actor alluding to his playing Ezra Bridger in an upcoming show, which means a live-action Ezra Bridger, which could I could care less. He could die in a house fire. It means live-action Grand Admiral Thrawn. And so we'll see. We'll keep it on our radars. But uh, that's all we have for today. Please like this video, subscribe to the channel, share with your family and friends. Remember, the Force will be with you. And um, the only family you have here is me. Wow. <laughs> all right, we'll see you next week.